There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. And it was really so satisfying excited. to see him get the better of those punks mm-hmm. with the pinata scene. That was great. That was a, that was a very good scene. Cause like I genuinely was like, man, he, they might actually crack their skulls in this. Scene. <laughs> yeah. season we are going to be breaking down the Dallas Cowboys versus the Panthers where the Panthers won 16 to 8 I'm joined here by John John how are you doing tonight uh I'm doing all right I think you're burying the lead here <laughs> and I'm also joined by Brad my are you no 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 see there you continue um I think we need the first order of business before we even introduce Brad is we got to talk about our uh, our fantasy football showdown this this past weekend? Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> Brad, what did, what did you think of it? I thought it was quite impressive, actually. I mean, <laughs> it was what was the final score? One hundred and forty-one to forty-three, or something like that. One hundred forty-five point eight to forty-six point five. Yeah, Ryan narrowly escaped getting defeated by one hundred whole American points. It will be known that I auto-drafted this team because I had another draft literally right before the draft, so just let that... But it was one bad game. I'm sure I'll rebound. You know how bad your game was? You scored 46.5 points, then next worst team scored 104. I had people who didn't play. (laughs) Yeah, you would have lost by like 60 points no matter who you played in the league. You could have doubled your score and you would have lost every all 11 other teams in the league. That's eh, it's one loss, you know. It, it happens. You could have tripled your score, and you would have lost by like four of the teams in the league. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. All right. Get... So anyway, <laughs> including me, because right, I scored one hundred and thirty-three or thirty-four points. Yes, Brad's first start. ever good fantasy week. Fantasy yeah, we're going to talk about my first ever fantasy week where I won both of my games. Thank you very much. <laughs> Everybody wants to hear about other people's fantasy teams. It's a well-known fact. Yeah, and, and this is actually a good segue into the Cowboys game because guess what happened to my fantasy team on Sunday? I lost my starting tight end. His name is Greg Olson. So the curse yeah, still lives. A, a... <laughs> yep. So it's your fault. It's my fault. I'm sorry. So for those of those listening... Uh, Olsen refractured his foot and is currently month to month, and that's great. 
It's good, it's good stuff. That means Ian Thomas will be a starting tight end. Um, not yeah, let's, they were let's get one thing straight, though. What You said month to month, and that's actually – that's technically correct because that's what the team said. Greg Olson's 33 years old. He's broken his foot again. It's the same foot. It's not month to month. He might be back in week 12. He might be back, but he's probably out for the year. Like, they're going to do what they did last year with Ryan Khalil and just keep him on the roster, but we're not going to see Greg Olson. I'm going to say, I'm going to hold out hope that he's going to come back eventually. Um, I just, I think, because we haven't IR'd him, but it, even if he does come back, the, I think the most likely outcome is that he's, like, even slower and on a snap count and just not really his normal self and doesn't really, isn't really, he's not Greg Olson. Like, I don't think we'll have Greg Olson really yeah. this year, unless it's like the very end of the year. We might have like the name Greg Olson on the field, but he won't be like the impact player that we're used to. Oh, you mean like last year? Okay. I was, I was confused. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Same as last year, essentially. So yeah, but he, he did have, uh, Greg did have a couple good games. Like he had a good game in the playoffs, and he had the one game against Green. Uh, no, was it Green Bay where he had like a hundred yards receiving? But yeah, for the most part, it's going to be like two catches for twelve yards, Greg. Yep, we have to just sit here and wait for him to come back. And we had another injury too. Uh, Daryl Williams, after he uh, sprained his MCL in a training camp, uh, came back, had another freak knee injury and now he will probably be if not out for the season at least out for eight weeks but i would think that he's more likely to be out for the season than olsen at this point because he's had two different injuries on the same knee um what do we think of that i'll start with you john okay i guess you want me to answer the question then yeah go ahead (laughs) um what was it again my question was, what do we think of the Daryl Williams injury? And I, I also okay. said that I think he's more likely to be out for the season than Olsen. Yeah, I agree with, with that he's more likely to be out because he had surgery or he's going to have surgery. Right. And, you know, as far as what I think, we're boned because the backup is Amini Silatolu. And, you know, people who know me know that I generally, unless I'm joking around, I don't exaggerate like – like way out there exaggerate and I'm not exaggerating when I say this Amini Solotolu is the worst offensive lineman in the entire NFL there is not an active player right now that is worse and he's going to start at right tackle because for whatever reason Ron Rivera believes that there's something there uh, I don't know what it is Ron sees. Nobody knows what it is Ron sees, but he sees it. And, you know, the only positive is that it's not it's not Cam Newton's blind side. So at the very least, he can see it coming before it hits him. Right. Uh, you know, we're relying on Corey Robinson to be a saving grace, the guy we just picked up a couple of weeks ago, and not, not even that long ago. And he wasn't very good at South Carolina. He he converted from defensive lineman to offensive lineman, and he can't stay healthy. Like, he's always got a foot injury or a knee injury or a hamstring injury or a quad injury, you know, or whatever. So it's – to borrow a line from Mad Men, it's not great, Bob. <laughs> so, 
So, you know, in, in, in short, it, we need help. And I don't know if they'll find anybody because, you know, the, the right tackle market isn't exactly very big right now. But, you know, we, we need somebody so we don't have to rely on Amini Silatolo. Right. And uh, it, it's such a tough position to be in right now because Matt Khalil, even being the, like, terrible left tackle that he was, would be ideal compared to Amini Silatolu, and he's on IR right now, too. We don't even know if he'll be back at this point. So Amini and Taylor Moten and Robinson are the only options they have. Like, it's it's not good. It's not ideal. Definitely not ideal. Um, what I would hope for is that somebody from the guard position can, like, come out, come out and be a right tackle. Hopefully not Trey Turner, but if it comes to that, you know, that that would be okay. Um, yeah, I don't want it to be Trey Turner either, but I would rather it be Trey Turner than Amini Silatolu. I'd rather have Kyle Van Roten and Tyler Larson at guard and Trey Turner at right tackle than Amini Silatolu playing any of those positions, to be honest. Yes. TBH, if you will. So, yeah, it's a it's offensive line, not in a good position. Um so the Panthers won 16-8 to over the Dallas Cowboys this past weekend. Despite all the, the two injuries we discussed, they still managed to pull it out and win. Um, probably the biggest bright mark of the, the game was the Panthers' defense. They looked downright dominant. Um, K1 Short had multiple sacks. I believe he had two. Pulling up the stats right now. As uh, let's see, so we had Mario Addison had one and a half sacks along with Wes Horton. Wes Horton had one and a half sacks. Shaq Thompson had a sack, and Kwan Short had two. So the pass rush appears to have returned. Um, I was really happy to see that Mario Addison did well because he was one of the guys I pointed out in my key matchups that you know. Interior offensive line or defensive line was going to be important, but you still need Mario Addison to show up, and he did in when it mattered and got the sack fumble to end the drive. Um, Brad, what was what what part of the defense? I guess are you most optimistic about right now? I really like the defensive line. You know, we thought it was going to be a concern going in because we have so much. Uh, I hate to use this phrase, but old age, but you know, they played well. I mean, you know, like you said, K1 short played well. He had two sacks. I thought Mario Addison played well. He showed up at just the right time there at the end. Uh, it's Wes Horton played well. It, it's, it's hard to believe, but you know, your offensive or your defensive line, excuse me, is clicking when Julius Peppers is the least effective guy that you had. And I think that shows that we've got quality depth and we've got, you know, a good scheme. They they did their jobs well. I mean, and, you know, let's be fair. They were aided a little bit by some really bad play calling by the Cowboys. And, you know, I, I don't I, I don't like to complain about this, but, you know, the touchdown they gave up, they gave it up because the, the officials let a holding call go uh, on Zeke Elliott's touchdown run. And 
you know, but other than that one play, I thought the defense played lights out. You know, Dallas couldn't do anything. It was it wasn't until the second half that that they even got across midfield. And, you know, to to be able to to do that, um, especially when we have injuries on the other side of the ball, uh, you know, that could be the the difference in keeping us from going, you know, five and eleven this year. And it could be what propels us to to getting a winning record. So I'm I'm excited. Yeah, and uh, another little a little tidbit for Panthers fans listening. Um, Marquise did not play. Brian Cox Jr. actually was the fourth defensive end the Panthers used. I was a little bit surprised by that, um, but they still managed to get the pass rush off the ground, so definitely can't complain there. Uh, it seems like John might be back. Uh, John, we're talking about what we liked about the defense, so go ahead and give us your two cents. So the people are saying, did did uh did Cox play? I didn't remember he seeing did. his name in the snap counts. He did. He um, had two tackles and one solo tackle. Oh, nice! I just those on I special teams. Maybe because special teams tackles count as tackles. <laughs> I just know he was active. But, um, I didn't watch I'm, every snap, so. Yeah, but I'm gonna agree with uh with Brad in that the the pass rush was. The, my favorite thing because um and especially that five of the six sacks came from the front four not like i think there was definitely reason for concern coming into the season that we were going to struggle without manufacturing it with blitzes and whatnot just because mario addison's really the only guy i mean peppers is old the only guy in his current state that has proven to be an effective pass rusher on his own. So I could see why like there'd be concern that we didn't have any pass rush. And I know Dallas's line isn't great with the injuries and stuff, but to see us get six sacks and five of them come from the, uh, from the line was very encouraging, especially because Dak's also not an easy to sack quarterback. I don't think, or at least he shouldn't be. Now he's mobile. And there were a couple times where uh, he got away from some stuff. Uh, Cox there played was that- 20, sorry, Cox played 26 snaps on defense. Did not know he played that much. That's almost half the snaps. He played more than Peppers. I have two things I want to point about out about the defense before we move forward. Um, number one, as far as bad things go, uh, I saw... Uh, who was it? I saw Don Terry Poe drop into coverage at one point, and I was sitting there thinking, why? And it turned out to be a first down because Dak Prescott threw the ball to the halfback who was in... Don Terry Poe's zone, and I'm just sitting there like, whose idea was that? The heaviest guy on the defensive line is dropping into coverage right now. It didn't hurt them that much, obviously, but that was a little bit questionable. Um, As far as another part of the bad things go, uh, Colin Jones had to play a little bit when uh, Denora Searcy went down with an injury. I don't think he played bad, but it's definitely not not ideal for Colin Jones to be your primary backup there. Um, so hopefully that doesn't continue throughout the season. But as far as good yeah, things I'll, go, oh, go ahead. I was surprised that Golden didn't get a single snap on defense. Like, I know it's the first game of the season and the coaching staff likes their veterans and stuff, but uh, I would have thought they would have worked him in a little bit, especially because Dallas's passing attack is completely anemic. Like, there's nothing threatening on that at all. Yeah, I think, I think Ron, they asked Ron about that, and he said that Golden is Mike Adams' backup. 
Mm -hmm. And that's why he didn't play because Mike Adams didn't have to come out, which doesn't make any sense. Like you said, put him in. I mean, you know, (laughs) rotate. Mike Adams is 73 years old. You know, they need to be (laughs) rotated out. Yeah, he played. I think Mike Adams played every single snap. Yeah, he played every single snap. So he was actually who I was going to mention as my uh, good, good things person. Uh, He He did play well. He had a couple really good tackles, especially in the open field against Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I I know I make jokes about his age on Twitter, but I think he's genuinely a very good starting safety, and Carolina should be glad to have him, considering the fact that the rest of their safeties are rookies or Colin Jones or veterans. So I was happy. Yeah, I'm not a fan of all this Colin Jones slander coming from your mouth after all the hype. Yeah, exactly. I I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) Bruh. That, Come on now. <laughs> he's been your boy all uh all off season. Now you're now you're just sitting here putting no faith in him as a defensive player, as a safety. A little, a little uh, you, disappointed. You all do Brian. know that I did this ironically, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> well 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 why are you coming out of character now? Yeah, exactly, Brian. You're not supposed to like come out of character. <laughs> right? We're recording. You're only supposed to do that trying, when we're not recording. I'm trying to be real listeners, okay? <laughs> trying to bring them a, a genuine quality experience here and my trolling is fun on twitter and fun on the scratching post but on the podcast i'm gonna get serious <laughs> this is this show all business all business yep just do it. jokes here but yeah to, just to, believe, to give you a, yeah to give you listeners a peek behind the curtain we really don't think colin jones is that good at football uh we just like to make fun of the fact that you guys hate him so much so there you have it Yep. It's the same thing with Brenton Same Burson. thing with Brenton Burson, to be honest. And we know he'll be back soon. So <laughs> we're we're one injury away. He's from... gonna he's gonna be Greg Olson's replacement. Yep. <laughs> Brenton Burson shows up uh to practice on Tuesday and he's just he's just now fat and he's now a tight end. He's just the move tight end. That's what he is. Yeah. I mean he's already got the height. And he's got the whiteness too. That always helps. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't realize it, but Brenton Burson's like six four. <laughs> you know, yeah. People people just think he's just a little scrawny white kid, but he's actually got good size for a wideout. He's six four, two hundred and ten pounds. David Tepper, if you're listening, sign Brenton Burson, your replacement and savior for Greg Olson. So, um, but that's savior. a good caveat into the offense because, you know. Obviously, Greg Olson went down, but the offense still managed to score 16 points. And arguably, they could have scored a lot, lot more. In fact, like, if you weren't looking at the scoreboard and you watched the whole game, I would have thought that game was a blowout. Yeah, they were moving I agree the ball with that. Really well. Um, Cam was on fire in the first half. Part of that seemed like the Cowboys just forgot that Cam Newton can run the ball. But That was, that was so funny. They're like, what is, he, what is this guy doing? I thought we were playing no scrambles. How's a quarterback run with the ball? See, Norv Turner duped him out because they were like, oh, well, he's an older <laughs> offensive coordinator, so they're going to make him throw the ball out of the pocket. And then he was like, nope, and ran it a few times. Yeah. <laughs> and those men have families, Cam. Just, just but, calm down. I remember I saw like they, they mentioned it. They were like talking to – I can't remember who who's the Cowboys defensive coordinator. Um, Ron Marinelli. Ron Marinelli. <laughs> yep. And, they were, and Joe Buck and Troy were talking about how like they asked him about – preparing for the different Panthers, the looks the Panthers have, and, like, Cam Newton is a runner and Christian McCaffrey and all that stuff, and he's like, 
we don't we don't prepare for them we just do our thing and trust our like trust our system basically and it's like well maybe you should have you know account i want to watch a little bit of film (laughs) yeah it's like no 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 no. we're not changing what we do because it's the panthers we're just going to do what we do it's like maybe you should defend cam differently than you would defend like i don't know cousins Cousins and eli manning yeah yeah so that's good good call on uh marinelli's part i was a fan of it i was a fan of the defense they played <laughs> so um yeah i mean really the only good play they made all day was uh the the fumble on christian mccaffrey and to be honest that was more of mccaffrey just dropping the ball um but if it wouldn't have been for that it would have been a blowout because we would have probably scored a touchdown on the very next play right. you know we would be talking about 23 to 7 or 8 instead of 16 so i thought i thought the offense played great in parts, there were some parts that were terrible, and I'm sure John will expand on that. But um, for the most oh, part, yeah, I was happy. I'll, I'll go ahead and expand on that. Yes, I will. Um, I will agree. And also, before I get to that, how it's just amazing that the Carolina Panthers find new ways to let opponents stay in their game in the game. Like that second touchdown to make it that made it 16 to nothing should have made it 17 nothing, and essentially iced the game even for our horrible fourth quarter play but of, I mean of, for, I've never seen that in my life where a mini seal to kick the snap away from the holder from J- you know uh, I do literally believe that that's the first time that's ever happened in NFL history and I think JJ but, you know, on the bright side something. on the bright side at least he did block something so <laughs> to start to step in the right direction <laughs> but anyway my my one complaint with the offense is is as you saw in our new segment that will probably be weekly because we're real good at it is our, our turtle up Tuesdays um, with the, getting the ball back at two thirteen left on the clock. And I don't necessarily mind that we ran the ball on first and second down, especially considering how well we ran it for a lot of the game, surprisingly enough, but it's the fact that we came in and we went jumbo uh, one wide receiver out wide, a fullback and two tight ends. And if you saw my, if you read my post, it was like, if you count, like Cam has to hand the ball off to CJ Anderson, that takes two of the blockers out. So we had, we had uh, eight players to block nine Cowboys and shockingly didn't go anywhere. And it's just like, it's been working. Everything we've been doing has been working. Just keep doing that and we'll get first downs and we will run the clock and the game will be over. Instead, we basically punted on first down and gave the Cowboys the ball back after taking off, I think, uh, 22 seconds off the clock. And then they got another chance to score. One thing and they I really had point, no business getting the ball back at all. One thing I want to point out too, um, this actually came from last night's game against uh, the Lions and the Jets. Uh, it was like third and two, and the Jets lined up with no nobody in the backfield and ran it with Sam Darnold on a mm-hmm. essentially a toss, basically without the toss, and he got the first yeah, down. Yeah, like a quarterback sweep. Like, why? Why isn't Norv Turner figuring that out? Like, you can do that with Cam Newton. Or you can fake a handoff to DJ Moore, or you can fake a handoff to Torrey Smith, or you can fake a handoff to Christian McCaffrey. Like, they have so many options where it's there's the ability to be creative and still get those two or three yards, and they just don't do it. It drives me nuts. Like, I don't understand it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't get it either. It just... You know, we, we've been running it down their throat all day. Just keep doing that. Don't get 
Don't get cute at the end. Don't change things at the end. Just run your offense. Right. They averaged 4.6 yards per carry among everybody, too. Like, it wasn't like rushing the ball with any one person was bad. Uh, the only person who averaged less, than, the only two people who averaged less than four yards per carry were DJ Moore on his one rush for three yards and Arma for his one rush for a touchdown on the goal line. Yeah, Let, let's talk about that. That's a good segue. I am really, really happy for Alex Arma, and I'm really glad that North Turner gave him an opportunity to run that fullback belly dive play on the goal line. That was his first NFL carry in a non-preseason game, and it was his first touchdown. And oddly enough, it was like, in my opinion, it was super creative only in the sense of that you look at that backfield, it was Cam Newton and CJ, and uh, excuse me, Christian McCaffrey. Alex Arma, despite being the fullback, was like the third guy that you'd expect to get that ball on the goal line, and they gave it to him, and he scored. Like, yeah. The defense wasn't keyed in on him. Like it was, I I believe I only saw like two defensive linemen go after him. Like it didn't. It like you don't have to be a mad scientist to be creative on offense. Like just put the guys out there who are more of a, a threat than an Arma, and suddenly you have a really easy third and one conversion because they're going to be keying in on Cam Newton. I mean he's he's the best short yardage quarterback of all time. So. I, w- I was happy with the play call. I think that was exactly what they should have done on that play. And I tip my hat to Norv Turner for that one because that it seems simple, except, but Mike Shula wouldn't have done it. <laughs> so No, he wouldn't what, have. What play are we and talking see, about? The other thing it does is it sets up, it, it puts film out there that they're willing to give Armand the ball. So, you know, in the future on third and one at the goal line, they can play action to Armand and either throw it to a tight end in the end zone or Cam can just keep it. So it, it puts more potential options on film for, for the defense to have to be prepared for. It also the opens the door opens the door for my favorite play on Madden all the time was the fake fullback dive pitch outside. The triple yes. option? Kind of. Well, I mean, it was just – it's kind of like a – you can do that too. But it was always just like a fake – a play action to the fullback, and then you pitch it outside to the running back. Because you're assuming oh, yeah, the defense is going to crash inside to stop the fullback. And yeah, that's you know my favorite option. my favorite Madden play, and I wish we would run it. is It's called Texas, where the fullback runs like a post pattern, like ten yards down the field, and and you hit him. It, it's open every single time on Madden. At least it used to be. I don't know if that works in the real NFL or not. Maybe one of our <laughs> film guys could tell me that. But right, right, just right. Send a present. North Turner, like these are the plays I call on Madden that work all the time. Try them. Yes, exactly. Time. You should at least try them. <laughs> so to touch on Christian McCaffrey, since we were talking about the rushing game so much, um, early in the off season, we were hearing that they wanted to get McCaffrey twenty to twenty five touches a game, and I believe that I, I don't know about you two, but I thought that was kind of ludicrous when I first heard it. Um, but in the preseason, they seemed to back it up. And in this game, McCaffrey had 10 rushes for 50 yards and six catches for 45 yards. So that was 19 or that was uh, 16 touches right there, which isn't bad considering the fact that the Panthers were, you know, not on the field on offense a whole lot. 
Um, it seems like he's dominating the uh, snap count there. Very interesting to yeah, see, in my did. opinion. Um, I'm really excited yeah. to see what stick around. McCaffrey was on the field for 57 out of 67 snaps, and Anderson was on the field for 12, which means there's two snaps where they were on the field together, or at least two that were on the field together. Right. I think which, Anderson's going to get a few more snaps, um, but I, I like how much they were giving McCaffrey run out there. I mean, he was the eighth. He was the eighth overall pick last year, so you want to see an investment in him. At least they're, you know, giving him the opportunity to be that kind of player. And he did well. He did uh, juke Sean Lee out of his shoes. Juke uh, Jalen Smith out of his shoes. <laughs> yes. The I, was it which one of those two were? It was just like one on one, and he had nobody yeah. else near him, so he had like all the time in the world to do a little shimmy. And then just compl- go right by him untouched. I can't remember if it was Lee or Smith, but that was that was my favorite, one of my favorite plays of the game. I was also happy with his. Uh, it was like third and two, and he came out of the backfield and like Cam threw him the ball, and like you knew, defender was going to mm. hit him, like right at the line for the first down, but he was able to extend and get the first down. Like it was, it went from being like a third down where throwing to somebody like Fozzie Whitaker, he may not get the first down where he made it easy. He made it look easy. So yeah, that's what you invest in a player. Yeah, like Jonathan, that. Or Jonathan Stewart, who has, changes directions at the speed of like an ocean liner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I guess one last um, thing. He also got a good, uh, Oh, go ahead. Oh, one other thing with McCaffrey. He also got a good, uh, a nice truck stick on Sean Lee also. That was fun to watch too. When I saw him like hit that whole like full speed and just like blast through him, that was that was nice. I like that. Uh, okay, go ahead and wrap it up now. One last thing I want to touch on before we uh, end the podcast and uh, look forward to the Falcons, which we'll do in a couple days. Um, wide receivers. This is a little bit bigger of a topic now that Greg Olson's going to be sidelined at least for eight weeks or so. Um, Devin Funches and Jarius Wright, I felt showed up when they needed to, they weren't like world beaters as far as like getting like, you know, a hundred yards receiving or like a touchdown or anything like that, but they moved the chains and I was especially impressed with Jarius Wright. He had that one little fumble, but other than that, he seemed like a guy Cam Newton trusts. Um, I'm kind of excited to see like Cam have more than one depend on them to move the chains compared to last year. Um, Brad, what are your thoughts on those two? I agree with you. I, I was really impressed with Jarius Wright. I thought he played well. Um, I can overlook his fumble because he was fighting for yards when it happened. You know, like, I, I get that. And luckily we recovered it, so it didn't matter. But, um you know, I, I think he has a chance to be a better version of what Jericho Cotri was for us. And it, it's something that we've been looking for since we lost Cotri in 2015. You know, we, we tried that with Russell Shepard and it just didn't work. And I think that that Jarius Wright will work out. Uh, I liked what I saw from Funchess. I thought he had a couple of nice catches. Um, you know, nobody else, you know, really didn't much, but uh, Torrey Smith had a nice grab over the middle. Um, 
you know, DJ Moore didn't get very many opportunities. His one play was considered a rush because the ball was thrown backwards. So uh, hopefully we'll get to see more of him. And I also hope we'll get to see Curtis Samuel soon. Uh, You know, we don't know how long he's going to be out, but I think having him on the field will bring some more, um, you know, dynamic playmaking ability to the wide receiver core. And it will allow guys like Funchess and Jarius Wright to, to get open, you know, down the middle. So I think, you know, there, the the receiver core has always been a weakness, but I think it's actually going to be a strength. Yeah, I, I thought agree. I thought I agree with you with the Jairus right thing. I like the um, he just looked like a like a younger version of Jericho Cotri. Like it seemed like it seems like almost all the times he all of his snaps came on third down. Like it was third down was it it was kind of like an automatic like a three goes up on the down marker and Jer- uh, and right walks out or runs out it on the field. And I mean he made that. That one catch falling down that was extremely impressive. Better than uh, any catch we've probably seen a number wide, a number three wide receiver make for us in quite some time. Yeah, I still don't know how he caught that. Like that, that <laughs> one got me. That way, Cam. It was one of those throws where, and Cam has it seems like at least one a game, and he had like four of them on Sunday, where like he throws it. And the ball just kind of disappears, and you have no idea like what happened until you watch a slow motion replay. And it's just like, how did that? How did the ball get to where it was supposed to go? It makes it makes no physical sense. Yeah, he made one of those throws to Funchess late in the game too. Yeah. And just, Troy, just Aikman, like, and Tro- Troy Aikman was like, "Oh, he threw it behind him, but that was literally <laughs> where it had to go. Before, otherwise, we'd be talking about how Funchess has concussion today." So. <laughs> All three of Funchess's catches were like insanely tight windows and spectacular throws. Yep. So to sum it all up, receiver core looking good, defense looking good, offensive line. Uh. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> but. As far as uh, the Cowboys game goes, the Panthers looked good coming out of it, and uh, they have looked to build on that this week against the Atlanta Falcons, which we will have Gina Thomas from the Falcoholic on with us, and uh, Ashley Barnett, who is our traitorous Falcons fan, writing for us as well. Um, hopefully, Brad and John will be on, but we'll see what happens with the Hurricane. So, uh, But yeah, and you guys have anything left? Storm here, I'll I'll be there. Cool. Yes, same here. All right. Which well, I don't think it's supposed to make much do much damage in Charlotte by before Thursday, so that should be okay. Alright, well tentative, obviously. Um but yeah, any lasting thoughts or anything you wanna you wanna say before we get off here? I'm all good. Yeah, I wanna say something about the offensive line. Uh you know, we're worried about it because we should be, but bad offensive lines can be schemed around. And I think North Turner's smart enough to do it. So, you know, while we're not, we don't have an ideal situation. I don't think it's going to be the end of the world yet. <laughs> Fair enough. Yet. Fair enough. Yeah, but, but you know, Mimi Felatolu could start Sunday, so then it would be. And there's obviously a very, very thin line between being okay and being terrible. 
because the depth is very thin right now. So, that's a question for another day. Right now, Panthers are 1-0 going into a game against the Falcons who are arguably just as banged up as the Panthers are. So, we will talk about that on Thursday. But from all of us here at the CSR 4th and Short Podcast, this is Brian joined by John and Brad as always. A pleasure. And join us on Thursday. Have a good one. Keeps the football. Takes off to the end zone for the touchdown. He takes the handoff. And he scores. Avoided the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown. Oh, the Newton keeps. Lowers his shoulder and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and goal. Shuttle pass McCaffrey. Touchdown. And off dive for Jonathan Stewart. And he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keeping. He has more of those than any linebacker in the league over the last five years. You know. It is good. And Carolina gets a road win in New England. Hello. You are listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play. Brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories. Like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.